Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. That's Psalm 71, verses 17 to 18, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. You know, however old you might be or however old you feel. You know, I love that psalm. The thought that God teaches us from early on and sticks with us right to the very end. I hope I will do as the psalmist, and as long as I live, tell others about God's faithfulness and mighty acts, passing it on to the next generation. And my guest today has thought a lot about that. Sandy Wanzek teaches scripture in the lay division of the St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver. She's also a certified Discover Your, Given, Your God-Given Gifts instructor. But maybe more to the point of the verse that I just read, she is a proud grandmother of a brand new baby boy. Congratulations, Sandy. Welcome. Thank you, Sarah. You know, it was so much fun to meet you recently out in Denver. You know, home of the crumble cookie, which you introduced me to. Thank you. I thought those caramel shortbreads were just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think one of those could feed a whole family of four. <laughs> They're huge. Well, thank you again for joining me today. And Sandy, you know, you're really well-versed in scripture. You teach there at the lay division. And you also contributed a number of book introductions and some reflections to the Living the Word Bible. Where did you get your love of scripture? When I visit a child, I remember hearing and enjoying all the Bible stories, especially I think the ones about animals, about the creation and Adam and Eve and the Noah's Ark and the nativity story. And we lived across the street from the Catholic Church. And so we were there frequently. My mom had volunteered. And I remember the religious education instructors, they were going to impress upon us the parable of the sower. And so when we were preparing for First Communion, we went out and we planted seeds. And she explained how we were the good soil, preparing for our sacraments. And when we came back, we would see these lovely flowers growing in front of the church. And we went week after week and nothing grew. Oh, no. As children, <laughs> maybe we're the rocky soil or the, the thorns. And so well, the, the teacher ended up planting these beautiful geraniums. The next week we went and there were stunning geraniums in front to show that we were indeed the good soil. And as I grew older and wanted to read more about scripture, it was difficult to find any Catholic Bible studies. I went to one at a Presbyterian church that advertised it covered 90% of the books in the Bible, but I thought, they don't have the seven deuterocanonical books, so that's really only about 79%. But it wasn't until when I moved to Denver and I went to this new parish that was starting to sign my children up for religious education. And I was told we don't have a religious ed program. As a parent, you are the primary teacher of your child. Wow. You're a teacher of a new scripture. You need to make sure they know the faith, and you need to make sure they know Jesus. And so I felt the weight of that responsibility, and I knew I couldn't teach what I didn't know. And 
A few weeks after, a woman came as she was speaking about the Denver Catholic Biblical School, which is a part of the lay division. And she said, it's a a program where you cover all 73 books of the Bible over a four-year period. You read them from a Catholic perspective. And it's not about just memorizing a bunch of verses. It is about coming to know Christ through Scripture. That when we pray, we speak to Jesus. When we read Scripture, God speaks to us. And I thought, that is what I need to do. And so I looked at the schedule, and it it didn't fit with my work schedule. And so just as in Romans 8.28 We know that God uses all things for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. My job was eliminated. And one of the first things I thought about is I am free now in light of the Catholic Biblical School. I went that night and I signed up for that class. And then that same week, my father called. He had been diagnosed with cancer and he needed to move in with us for a few months because they didn't have the treatment where he lived. And so it was at the same time as Biblical School. Mm -hmm. But as... The Providence would have it, a new class opened, and it was just a mile from my house. So I was able to attend. And I have to say, during that difficult time, being immersed in Scripture, having my table mates who were supporting me and praying for me, when Dad was having his radiation treatments, I would be out reading my Scripture and doing my homework. And it it really did help to strengthen and sustain me during that Mm -hmm. time period. And who knew how how God would use that time when you had lost your job, but then you had extra time for your dad and also the wherewithal to be studying scripture, which helped you through it. When I graduated from biblical school, our pastor ended up being the celebrant. And during this homily, he said, everything you've been learning is not just for yourself. You need to come and ask your pastor how you can be of service. And so I asked him afterwards, was that just a general statement, or did you have something in mind? And he's, oh, he told me getting the phone call. <laughs> no, he called all of us who had been graduates from the biblical school over the past 25 years. And he said, I'm going on sabbatical. When I come back, I want a comprehensive Bible study program at my parish. Oh, my. And so I got involved in that and started leading Bible studies there and just just was so inspired by what I had been encountering the scripture that I started taking the catechetical school and also enrolled in the Augustine Institute. I had been praying about what does the Lord want me to do after my kids graduate from high school? Mm-hmm. I called it my five-year plan because for the five years, I thought, I'm going to be an empty master. And what does the Lord want me to do with that time? And so I felt I mean, it put upon my heart to go back and teach scripture, to tell people about Jesus. And Interestingly, that is I've come full circle. So now I am back at the same place where I started reading and studying scripture intensely. I'm back teaching there 11 years now. And my oldest grandson, he will tell people, Grandma's job is to tell people about Jesus. Hmm. Grandma's job is to plant seeds in the garden. <laughs> really? So I, I just to back up a little bit in time. Did How did this fit in with your desire to be teaching your children scripture and so on when there was no program there at the parish? Were you able to do that? Yes. So the parish actually ordered the materials for us. They, they ordered a workbook for us. And then 
we would bring that home and you would go through the lessons. And I have to say, originally, we did three lessons separately, but over time, it worked best for our family. We just chose one of the books and that way we could all do it together. The whole mm-hmm. family could participate and be studying the same thing at the same time. But so nice. it actually was a good thing instead of just dropping my children off and perhaps volunteering, I was participating and we were growing in the faith and sharing the faith together. All together. That's beautiful. You know, one of the things that you wrote about for the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible is about our spiritual gifts and how the Holy Spirit uses those gifts to liven the church. And perhaps your pastor had that in mind when he asked people to, you know, come forward. But I, I think that sometimes people have a confusion in their minds between what is a spiritual gift that maybe everybody gets versus individual spiritual gifts that individuals receive? Can you explain that a little bit? So there is, you're right there, there are two different classifications of gifts. And with Pentecost coming, it, it, it just brings to mind the story of the apostles being emboldened by the Holy Spirit and then Peter going out and speaking and so boldly at this illiterate fisherman, and now 3,000 can birth that day. And if you ever think, I just wish I could be enlivened by the Holy Spirit like the apostles were, then I could go out and evangelize too. Well, the thing is, we are. Hmm. We all receive those same gifts at our baptism, and they are strengthened in our confirmation. That is the first set of spiritual gifts, and it is written about, prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 11, verse 3. We read about the gifts of wisdom and understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord, and piety. Mm. We receive all of those gifts in seed form at our baptism. And they are strengthened through the sacraments. They are, are strengthened through a life of virtuous living. So that at the time of our death, they shouldn't still be in seed form anymore. They should have grown to look more like a mighty oak in that little acorn, the seed that we received at our baptism. These gifts are received by everybody, and they are necessary for our salvation. Now, there's a second set of gifts, and these are the charismatic gifts. That word charismatic or charism, it comes from the Greek word charis, which means grace. Mm. And so these are graces given to us, and St. Paul writes that they are given to us, not for ourselves, but they are to build up the body of Christ. We don't all receive the same gifts. And this was a problem for the people in Corinth. They were seeing these gifts that they had received and becoming very prideful, perhaps looking at someone else and thinking, God must love me more because look at the number of gifts I have or look at the, the type of gifts that I have. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, that Every grace that you have is a gift from God. And why do you act as if it wasn't a gift? Why do you act as if you made this, came up with this Mm -hmm. yourself? So it was all about allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you to build up the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. These gifts are written about in Mm -hmm. different places. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, and then also in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. And I'd like to read from Romans in chapter 12, beginning in verse 6, just to give you an idea of some of these gifts. 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith is service in our serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who contributes in liberality, he who gives aid with zeal, and he who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So this list of seven different gifts. And what's interesting is if you know some of the characteristics of these gifts, you can start to see them in yourself or even when you're reading the Bible. You can think, oh, I've met Mary have the gift of perception. Look at how the, at the wedding of Cana, she noticed before anyone else that they were out of one. So what, what I would like to do is just list a few of these characteristics and have people just think about, do you see yourself in, these, in this particular gift? Sure. Yeah, you know, it's just to interrupt you briefly, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking she must have the gift of teaching, just the, <laughs> the way you talk and the way that you present the material, you know, as you're, you're anxious to get across these truths that God has made to your heart, to get them across to other people in a way that they can use them. And that has to be one of the, the characteristics of a teacher, I would imagine. You know, having, having all of the facts in a row, that definitely is, is one of those those characteristics. But if you were a perceiver, if you clearly perceive the will of God and see the world as black and white, if you make decisions really easily, if you have very few friends because you're very outspoken. I know um, some people that have perceiver characteristics and they said, um, I'm not blunt. I'm just pointing out the obvious. Biblical <laughs> <laughs> perceivers we have Mary. As I mentioned, the wedding of Canaan, Mary was the first to notice they don't have, they're out of line. Jonah and John the Baptist. So you might be a server if you love to serve others and work with your hands. If you are the one that comes into the, the reading room at church and you begin setting up the chairs, making the coffee, you might be a server. If you can't stand having clutter anywhere, and you're always tidying up whether you're at home or elsewhere. And if you have a hard time saying no when you're asked to do something, you might be a server. If you, like Martha, are critical of others who don't see the need to pitch in and help, you might be a server. Biblically, Martha is one of the biggest examples of a server. We have Martha taking care of all the the active aspect of our religious life, our spiritual life. And Mary focusing on that contemplative life. There's also Peter's mother-in-law. She just had a fever. And as soon as she's cured, she's up and she's serving everyone. Now, regarding teachers, you might be a teacher if you like to do research and you are always verifying the facts and writing many, many post-it notes to yourself. If you're always asking questions. And if you will spend 20 hours preparing for a simple lesson because you want it to be Make sure that you're, you've checked all the facts and you're very logical and practical. Many, many books stacked high in your nightstand. You might be a teacher. And biblical teachers that we read about are Aquila and Priscilla. Remember when Paul was in on his missionary journeys and we had Apollos. He came and he was preaching, but it wasn't, wasn't quite right. And so Aquila and Priscilla, that was probably like nails on the chalkboard. And then they took him aside. 
And they instructed him a, a little more correctly how to pre- yeah. present the gospel. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, verifying the facts, I've got a feel for myself. So these are some examples of teachers in the Bible. And then regarding the gift of exhortation. If you like to encourage people, if you were always giving that little pep talk as God's little cheerleader to encourage people to live a life of virtue, that you're a good speaker, if you have a positive attitude and make decisions quickly and you don't worry about what's going to happen because you just know you can come up with another plan, you might be an exhorter. Someone in the Bible who was an exhorter is Barnabas. And his very name means son of encouragement, which is what he did. And we can think about Aaron, the brother of Moses. When Moses, when God told Moses, you're going to lead my people out of Egypt, Moses said, are you sure you've got the right guy? I'm not a good speaker. And God said, you have your brother Aaron, and I will give him the words. I'll give you the words, but you've got Aaron, and he could do this job for you. And then the gift of giving. If you're always giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure. If you're the one who likes to pick up the tab when you go out to dinner or is always spoiling people by surprising them with gifts. If you were the child that had the dog walking service or the lemonade stand or always end up handling the money at church, you might be a giver. And in the Bible, we see Cornelius and Lydia. Lydia, the businesswoman who sold the purple goods, giving of her home for the first house church. And we see Paul giving his entire life to the gospel of the Lord. And the next is administration. If you love to organize things and to lead, if you have a plan, you have to have a plan for every day. And you might even find yourself making a plan for your spouse and your kids if they, you don't think they have, have a plan in order. If you like long-term projects, if you sign up for way too many activities, you go to the, the stewardship fair at church and you sign up for 20 things because they just all look like they look great activities. You might be an administrator. In the Bible, we saw this with Joseph in the Old Testament, who was put over, over the house by Pharaoh. We have Nehemiah, who was sent back to rebuild the temple and orchestrate that along with Ezra. And King David, a master builder. And then lastly, you might be a compassion person. If you love to care for people in need, if you're always looking for the good in people, if, if you know the right thing to say, sometimes it's awkward if there's a, a death in the family or if there's an illness, but if you always seem to know the right thing to say and are just drawn to people who need that listening ear, you might be a compassion person. So in the Bible, people that have that gift of compassion, they can look at Ruth, who was so compassionate toward her mother-in-law, Naomi, and then Joseph, the father of Jesus, and John, the beloved disciple, who took care of Mary after Jesus was ascended into heaven. So it's interesting to look at all the different characteristics and see them in yourself or see them in people around you. Some of the benefits of knowing about your gifts is it can free you from trying to do everything. Mm-hmm. If you know where you're going to be most productive and what you're going to enjoy the most and be most fruitful, you can say yes to that 
instead of saying yes to everything and leave some of those those projects to people who are more gifted in that area. Now, of course, you're going to be working with all these gifts. If someone comes up and they just had a terrible day, you would never say, well, I don't really have the gift of compassion. You need to go, go talk to somebody else. Of course, you're going to be listening and working in those gifts. But it can help you just decide what ministries you might want to be involved in at your parish. You can try out different things that sound interesting. If the Lord puts it on your heart to try something, it may be because you're gifted in that area. So listen to those promptings of the Holy Spirit and try different things out and see where you're most effective. Some ways to know if you're working in your gifts is if it doesn't feel like work. If it feels joyful and prayerful and it doesn't really feel like work. Secondly, if you're bearing fruit, you mm. see fruit coming from this. And thirdly, if you're receiving positive feedback, whether it's something where it can be a formal survey that goes out, but also maybe people just come up and comment on how well you did at something. And especially if it's something that seems effortless to you, but it's bearing that fruit, you're getting the good feedback. It may be a sign that that is an area that you are, are gifted in by the Holy Spirit. We're hearing that whole list that you've just done. It just gave me this picture of God's wonderful planning in providing for all of the needs of the church, but through all of us different people. And what you described, it sounds like, on one hand, like very kind of ordinary things that we're, we're born with. And yet we hear that grace builds on nature, right? And so I'm sure that when we offer, it's kind of like, you know, offering up our, the five, you know, the loaves and the fishes that God just is able to multiply what he's given us when we put it to use for his church. And I, as you, as you were talking, I wanted to ask you this question, because clearly you're a teacher and that's probably a great deal of natural desire and ability and so on that goes into that. Um, and not just the fact that you've been doing it for so long, but I wonder if you've at some time experienced teaching as a grace, as something that's powered by the Holy Spirit, as opposed to, or in addition to your natural ability of teaching. I have to say when I prepare for my classes, I always prepare as if I'm, I am doing all the work. But mm-hmm. the thing in my prayer is knowing that, uh, as it says in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. So acknowledge that any good that's going to come from this teaching is going to come because of God working through me. It's not going to be anything that, that I have done. And so acknowledging that, and where I see teaching as a grace or a gift, I would say on the occasions when I have been teaching something that, that I have prepared, but then something else comes to mind that I had not intended to say. And I express that to the class. And afterwards, I've had on occasion people come up and say, that is exactly what I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And or you looked right at me when you said that. And and that is what what I needed to hear at this time. And so I see that as a grace that God knows what it is 
who it is that needs to hear a particular message and what that message is. And I think that my prayer and teaching is that I can be an instrument. He can use me to say to the classes what it is he wants him to say and for them to hear what he wants the Holy Spirit to say to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be interested. There's a, a lot of people listening right now. And if you are listening, I would love to know what is your particular charism? You know, and how did you discover it? You could share that with our community on Instagram at Living the Word Bible. And um, I know Sandy and I would love to love to know that and to have a conversation about it if you'd like to share with us. Sandy, we don't have a lot of time, but I I had wanted to get to this other thing that I know that you're a part of. You're involved in a grandparenting conference that the Lay Division is sponsoring this summer. And I have only just recently heard about grandparenting conferences, maybe because now that I am one, it has some kind of meaning. But, But tell me about this. How can there be an entire conference about grandparenting? So now we're on to one of my favorite topics with my new, <laughs> my new two-week-old grandson. But the Grandparenting Conference, it addresses a, a few different issues. The first is what does today's culture say about our retirement years versus what the Bible has to say. Mm. And so we can look at many different ideas that we have in our culture that when you're ready to retire, you're done raising your children. You're done working. And so it's time to eat, drink, and be merry. It's all about it's all about me right now. <laughs> That's what society tells us. But we read in scripture, in particular, the verse that you read at the beginning about in our old age, passing our faith on to generations to generations. And we have there is another verse in we find this in Psalm 92. It's of the righteous flourish like a palm tree, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They still bring forth fruit in old age. So the palm tree, this palm date tree, it bears fruit until it's 150 years old. And often the the larger harvest of fruit come in the older age of this tree. Mm. And so the Bible has a, a very different perspective. It tells us that we're we're not finished. We're not. We are still of value to society, and in particular, we have a responsibility to play our role in passing the faith onto our grandchildren. When you look in the Bible, if you were to look up the word grandparent, mm-hmm. you only find it twice, and really? one is in regards to locust. <laughs> there, <sighs> there will be a plague of locusts as such as your parents and grandparents have never seen that from Exodus. <laughs> but then the second place is in First Timothy, and it's regarding St. Paul, and he is commending Timothy on his faith that he received from his mother Lois and his grandmother Eunice, because his father was a pagan. It was his mother and grandmother who passed on the faith to him. And so these are the only two places we see that we're grandparents. But if you look up father's father or children's children's generations, you find many, many places where it is speaking about the role of the grandparent and how important it is to pass on the faith to that next generation so that we don't become like in the book of Judges, where they, they lost the faith because it was not passed down from one generation to the next. Yeah. 
God has no spiritual grandchildren. You know, you have to actually do that work. (laughs) Um, Were you impacted by your own grandparents? You know, I was. My grandparents died when I was young, but I remember how important the faith was to them. When you went into their home, you knew right away that they were Catholic. They had the crucifixes. They had the statue of Mary. Grandma liked little statues of of the nuns, and they had a family Bible that traced our family all the way back into the 1800s. So this is something I have even even today. And I would say with my grandparents, more important than stressing our heritage of being Irish and grandpa being German, they stress the heritage of our Catholic faith. Mm. And that, that is who we are. That has been passed down through the years. And I so appreciate the the blessing of that, that I think today so many people, they're wondering, who who am I? And especially if parents decide, I'm not going to teach my children any particular faith because I want them to choose when they're older. And what a disservice that is. I can see now with my, my little grandson is receiving his reconciliation this year. So the faith continuing to be passed down. I don't know if you see the movie Belfast or not, but it, it's about a family. No. They're living in Ireland during the unrest of the 70s and 80s, and they're contemplating moving to England to get away from the fighting. And the little boy is talking to his grandfather. And he, he's worried. He said, if we go across the water to England, no one's going to be able to under, even understand our accent. And his father said, you know who you are. Mm-hmm. You are buddy from Belfast 15 where you're, Grandma and your grandpa look out for you and care for you. Your mom and your dad, they look out for you, and your brother looks out for you. And that's going to be the same, no matter where you are. You know who you are. And so I thought that was very powerful and can be applied to knowing knowing the faith and that mm-hmm. we are our children of God. Yeah. And that, that informs who we are, but how we live our lives. So I know so many grandparents who are just in despair over their grandchildren because their children have stopped practicing the faith. And is there a role for grandchildren, I mean, for grandparents in that kind of situation? Well, and that is actually the second, second and third parts of the workshop. The second is just thinking about what are your hopes and your dreams for your grandchild? Mm. And what are some things you can do to help that become a reality, because it's just not going to magically happen if you mm-hmm. give out it enough. And so we'll go through various ways. There's a beautiful book. It's by Dr. by Alan Hunt, and it's called Dreams for Your Grandchild. And he lists different steps that a grandparent can take to pass on the faith. We can love, pray, dream, model, build habits, connect and inspire. And he gives examples of things that you can can do to help make those wishes for your grandchild a reality. Now, in some cases, the parents aren't teaching the children. They're, they're not passing on the faith. And so the, the third segment, we talk about some problem areas like that. And what are some things you can do? Can you volunteer to take your child to math or your grandchild to math if the parents are not doing that? When you have your grandchildren over, 
instead of making sure you have already prayed your morning prayers or said your rosary, or if you normally go over to Mass at a certain time, do those things with your grandchildren. Let them catch you living the faith and so that that you can have those conversations with them. So different areas and then speaking about what resources are available, how we can support one another. Because one of the, the biggest resources, one, looking at your own grandparents. Secondly, looking at other grandparents, our peers. When we do these workshops, I've only been a grandmother for eight years. I'm not an expert. And so I will introduce these topics. In the room, we may have over a thousand years of experience. And so somebody in the room has gone through the problem that you are experiencing. And so we can share with one another. And a beautiful way to do this, I don't know if you've heard of the International Catholic Grandparents Association. No, I haven't. And so this was started in Ireland. And the hope is that chapters will start at every parish where the grandparents get together and they pray for their grandchildren. But they also discuss ways that they can pass on the faith to the grandchildren. And the Catholic Grandparent Association makes it very easy because they have a list of potential topics you can discuss at your meeting each month. They have something they call the Faith Cafe, where mm-hmm. they can, you can log on in your various speakers every month, and then you can discuss that at your meeting. So they do make it very easy for you to start a group if there's not one already at your parish. So that that is another resource. And then there's a website called catholicgrandparenting.org which just has a list with resources for grandchildren, no matter what their age, and also a list of books that grandparents can read to give them more information and more resources to help pass on the faith to their grandchildren. Well, I'm glad to know about all those resources. Thank you for sharing them, and thank you for all that you're doing to make that available to other people. Before things welcome. So... I wonder if over the years there's been a go-to verse in scripture or a passage that really has been very meaningful and helpful to you that you find yourself returning to over and over again. You know, one that I I like to pray with is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Mm. Would you mind, can you quote it or read it and maybe tell us a little bit about what's so special about it to you? Of course. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So what I like about this passage, it gives you the remedy. If you are experiencing stress or you're starting to worry, what should I do? And it it tells us clearly. You don't need to have anxiety, but just give everything to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord and tell him what your needs are. Remember to be thankful. And just as a child taking their needs to their parents, they have confidence that their parents love them and they're going to, to work things out. A, a little child just will say, I'm, I'm hungry or I'm tired, making those needs, needs known to their, to their parent. And then the second part of this passage, I call it the whatever passage. Finally, whether whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So what, what we're thinking about when we think about what's true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and gracious, those are all qualities that describe Jesus. We're thinking about mm-hmm. Jesus and keeping him in the forefront of our mind so that we will have peace in our life. It makes me think of the, the parable that was in, I believe, Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. And it told about a mind in which there was an, an evil spirit or evil thoughts, and the, the demon was cast out, and it went about roaming the world looking for a place to dwell. And it decided to come back to where it had been cast out from. And it came back, found the house swept and in order, and brought seven other demons with him. So the, the house is worse off than it ever was. And in that parable, the house is our mind. And mm-hmm. the evil thoughts that are cast out, if we don't fill our mind with things that are of God, it's going to be open territory for those evil thoughts and even more to come back in. So it's a, a beautiful passage telling us to not only cast out what is not of God, but to fill our mind and continually be thinking about Jesus or those things that are the, the imprint, the fingerprint of Jesus that we see in the world, the things that are true and honorable and lovely and gracious and worthy of praise, to think on those things. And that is what is going to bring peace in our life. That's beautiful and so true. I know when I allow my mind to kind of circle down in this whirlpool of bad things, you know, it just goes downward. But forcing yourself to think about the good and the true and the beautiful and the honest, that lifts up your mind to heaven and enables you to maybe leave your problems with God and accept his peace. So beautiful, beautiful passage. And I would love to pray with that together with those who are listening. So I will read it again. If you're listening, maybe close your eyes and allow the word to speak to your heart today. And perhaps take some time later on. This will be printed on the website on this page, along with some instructions for prayerfully reading it and meditating on it using Lexio Divina. So let's pray together. Come Holy Spirit, Open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. This is from Philippians chapter 4. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, we don't always understand in the middle of our troubles, but the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep or guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, sisters in Christ, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We pray, Heavenly Father, for your peace that passes understanding. And for all those listening 
here today and reading your word, that they will turn to you with their needs, fill their minds with things that are good. We thank you for your word and for the life and strength it brings. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and ponder what you say to us in scripture. Give us grace to love and live your word in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Mary, mother of the word, pray for us. Thank you, Sandy, for being with us today. And can you leave with us where we can reach you or find out more about you or these things that you are involved with? So the best way is to go to the website of the SJB Lay Division, which is sjblaydivision.org. And this is where you can find out more information about the upcoming Grandparents Workshop, which will be July 22nd. It's right before the third annual World Day of the Grandparent and the Elderly that Pope Francis has established. And it is also right around the feast day of Jesus' own grandparents, St. Joachim and St. Anne. It's going to be online so anyone, anyone in the world can attend, and it's free. So you just go to the website, you can find out more information, and you do need to register so that we can send you the link for that workshop. Thank you. And I believe you also have some blog posts on that website, as well as the writing that you've done for the Living the Word Bible related to spiritual gifts and so on. So yes. thank you again for, for your work in that, as well as your teaching and for using your God-given gifts. This is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been the Living the Word Bible podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope that you'll join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. And you can also join our Instagram community at Living the Word Bible. And look for the question this week asking about the charisms that you have been gifted with. Love to hear from you. Finally, if you would like to get a copy of the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible or the brand new companion journal, they are both available to you for a special price. $5 off of each and free shipping. Just go to AveMariaPress.com and use the promo code BiblePodcast, one word, and the offer expires at the end of 2023. Now God bless you as you read His Word. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.